thank you for being with us tonight. Um, you know, this, this year is a, is a different year because this is a year that Christmas actually lands on a Sunday. Hallelujah. And so I'm assuming those who are not here tonight will be here tomorrow. Amen. But listen, you should join them, right? Let them stand. Like, you know, you were here last night and, to, you know, um, tomorrow it will be last night. You were here now and be there tomorrow and worship the Lord together as we celebrate the birth of our Lord. As we, as, as we think about Christmas and what this time of year means for us, I don't even, I can't even get, get around my head when I think about the, the shepherds, right? Like the, the shepherds, it's, it's an amazing story. Pastor Aldo, you preached with the shepherds, right? Was that you or, or, or Jonathan? I don't remember. Yes, okay. Well, anyway, the shepherds are in the dark and these angels come and show up and the angels tell them, fear not, right? Like, how do I not fear? Like it was dark and now it's like daytime, right? Because your glory is so amazing, right? It was, that's your favorite part of the, of the story, of course. But nonetheless, I, I think about that story, and when I, whenever I read the story, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2, but whenever I read the story, as, as you walk through the text, I'm always amazed, and I'll probably say this every Christmas Eve and every Christmas service that I preach, I'm always amazed at God's sovereign preservation of his son. If you, if you want to see the test of, of, of God's sovereignty. You see it in the baby coming to this earth. And, and when we think about that, I mean, what is the most vulnerable of all? It is a baby. They need someone to care for them. And today, even with all of the, 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 the stuff that we have health-wise and healthcare, it's still a vulnerable place for a baby. And as we read this story in the book of Matthew chapter 2, and we look at what happened after the, the scriptures that we read earlier where Joseph was shown by the Lord that the baby inside of Mary's womb was not adultery. Hello. And I think sometimes we don't, we, we don't, we don't necessarily connect the dots, right? But the truth is, right, there's only, you know, how did that happen? I mean, right? And it happens because two people come together. In general, that's what happens. But one time, something happened differently. One time, something happened differently. There was a, a young lady who, was, who had never known a man yet, and God came to her and overshadowed her, and she became pregnant, and she was with child, and Joseph had questions. Hello. Any man in the room would have had questions, right? I, I mean, what do you, her, her best friend would have, come on now, what, what, what really happened, right? <laughs> but the truth is, she's like, an angel came and told me, oh, highly favored. I'm like, hold on a second. Again, these angels coming and, you know, these glorious beings showing up and communicating to, to people. Like, and, and, and they're not really grasping fully what is being communicated. And nonetheless, after Joseph has this clarity from the Lord, he moves on. And so the Gospel of Matthew, and I'll read it, and it says here, um, we'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. 
When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he, had, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem said and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasure, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for, for their own country in another way. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, You guys said he was not the one, the one that performed all of these miracles, the one who fulfilled all of these prophecies. And I don't even know the ridiculous number that it is that, as some would write, I wish that I would have written it down, I didn't. But all that I know is that if in order for all of the prophecies, like over 500 prophecies, about Jesus would have been fulfilled by, by any person. The chances of that are like one, and there's a one, and like probably like 12 zeros after it. Come on now. That's a lot, right? That, 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 that's a huge chance of, of, of that actually happening. And yet, all of this happened, and Matthew and the, and the writers of these Gospels are communicating these things to us so we can be assured, and not just us today, but to their immediate audience so they would know this is the Messiah. This is the one that we were waiting on. And, and when I think about the Christmas story as we know it, when I think about the, the narrative of the birth of Jesus Christ, it's one that reminds us that Christmas is for sure about a gift, but it is not so much about the manger, the baby that was there in the manger. It is about the baby that came to that manger on a mission. And that mission was to bring us deliverance, to bring salvation, to bring good news, to bring joy, to bring peace. And so our focus for this Advent season has been hope, if you haven't noticed that. Every week we have tried to drive home the idea of hope. Why? Well, this, this year has been, there's been some bad news that has come. There's been a lot of discouragement and depression and things that happen. And I think every year that, that stuff happens, uh, I think inflation makes it a little bit more intense. Just saying, like we all we all felt the pinch, we all felt the squeeze, we all felt that the frustration and things of that nature. And nonetheless, we we endured that. And what God wants to remind us as we come to the end of this year is He is our hope in the midst of it all. When we when we when we get the bad news from the doctor, he is still our hope. When when someone goes from this life to the next, he is still our hope. 
when we get a pink slip or, or we, are, we are told that our department is closing or, 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 or you're not going to be able to get that bonus or that raise that you were looking forward to, he is still your hope. In the midst of it all, he is our hope. And so my prayer is that in this season that we've given you some perspective that, number one, that Jesus is our hope because he came as was prophesied. We learned that when Dr. P came and he shared God's word on hope the first Sunday of Advent. Tonight we lit these candles this evening. Usually the candles are already lit that have already been lit. But tonight we wanted to pause in each one and just think about for a moment what each of these candles symbolize. We also hope that or we pray that you are being kept by the peace in hope knowing that Jesus came to make peace with you. See, the beauty of, of us that, that we have is because Jesus came and he died, he came not to give us a feeling of peace, but he came to make peace with us. That's different. He doesn't just want to make us feel good in the midst of the hardship or difficulty. What he wants to do is he actually wants to make peace with us. He wants to make us, as we heard the word earlier, he wants to make shalom a reality in our lives. He wants our life to be whole. He wants our life to be full. And so, again, there is hope in the peace that we have in Jesus Christ. We're also hoping that you're being strengthened by the joy that is in hope. The joy of the Lord that we sang of today. As we sang joy to the world and then we coupled it in with the reality that this isn't just something that is for the world, but we have the joy of the Lord that is our strength. We hope that you're experiencing that. And then last week, as, as we were able to experience it, I, I, didn't, I didn't mention it so much, I don't know, but, but we, we saw a miracle last Sunday, did we not? We saw Pastor Rod, if you were here, he got up here and preached a powerful message by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is awesome to see that God is our hope. He is our strength. And, and, and what did we learn? We learned again of the, of the hope that is found in love. We heard about that again tonight as we lit the Christ candle. So I want you to think about this tonight. And if you're writing notes somewhere, maybe you got a phone and you want to jot this down. Here's what I want you to think about as we read the story that we just read in the Gospel of Matthew. But just as God kept our hope alive in Christ, he offers to keep our hope in Christ alive. Just as God kept our hope alive in Christ... He offers to keep our hope in Christ alive. Again, what I said that I'll probably say until the, the, the last time that someone allows me to preach, because there'll be a day that they're going to kick me off the pulpit and be like, you're too old, man. <sighs> but that, that, that's a long way to go. Praise the Lord. Don't get excited. But until that day, I will be amazed again at looking at how God kept hope alive. How God the Father sovereignly orchestrated every single thing that we can that, that, that you could have imagined was going to go wrong. And we'll look at it a little bit more in detail in a moment. But he, 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 he enabled that hope to remain alive, to fulfill the mission that God sent him for. That's a beautiful thing for us to remember. When we come to this moment at the end of the year, when we do our Advent and we look at all that God has done, we are reminded of that. And in the same way that we read this story, again, this is so important for us. We read this story, 
And it is not a story that is just to go in one ear and out the other. It's not a story that we just read because it's Christmas time. It's, it's, it's a story that should give us direction. It's a story that should really give us hope, that should give us faith, that should give us an understanding that we can just sit back and be in awe of God. Wow, you did that. You did that. You preserved hope. And now he says, hey, I don't just want you to look at how I preserved and kept hope alive. I want to keep your hope alive in Christ. And so what are some things we can learn from the wise men? Well, the first thing I will ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, the light of hope should move us into pursuit. The light of hope should move us into pursuit. And so we see that this part of the story starts out with these wise men who show up before King Herod, and they, they say something that doesn't seem too wise, right? If you think about it, right? It's not the what. Like you come before this king and you're like, hey, can you tell us where the king of the Jews that has been born is? Not so wise. But nonetheless, they were wise enough to come from the east. And so what do we know about these wise men from the east? Well, if we look at the scriptures, we don't know a whole lot about these guys. We know that they're wise men from the east. That's what we know. If you, if, if you do a little bit of studying, you, you, you learn that they were probably studiers of the stars. They were either astrolo- they, they, they were probably into astrology or something like that. And somehow, somehow, think about this, they knew and they, they were aware of the sign in the sky, the star, the, a star that would show up that would indicate the king of the Jews was born. Somewhere they got this information. Now, I will interject what, what I think is, is a plausible explanation. There was another guy, there was a couple of guys, a a guy by the name of Daniel. He had a couple of friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were were taken into captivity in the east, right? And, And when they were taken into captivity in Babylon in that time, guess what they were part of? They were part of the council to the king. That's what they were part of. They were the wise men. And it would seem to me, David, I mean, Daniel, when you read Daniel's story, he was pretty vocal about his faith. And I don't know if you've read Daniel lately, but let me, let me encourage you, read Daniel, read Matthew, read your whole Bible in the next year. Hallelujah. <laughs> but, but, but allow me to give you two places that you can really just land in and just like meditate on some scriptures and be amazed at what God does. Looking at the book of Daniel, you see a man who was passionate about the promises of God to the point that he goes into a a time of prayer and ends up there for 21 days waiting on an answer from God because he heard the words of the prophet Jeremiah and he realized they had been in captivity for a certain amount of time and Daniel was like, wait a second, is it time now, Lord, that that your Messiah is going to come? Is it time now that you're going to bring us out of this captivity? And then the Lord comes and speaks a, a word to him that is about the future. Speaks a word to him about when the Messiah would come, things that would happen in these end times. And so he speaks in that moment to him. So my thought is I would agree with some who would say that it's likely that these guys were probably not, obviously not the same people that Daniel spoke to, but the same group. And that the same information that was communicated through Daniel may have been passed down to these wise men waiting generation after generation. And somewhere in there that you and I don't necessarily have the piece to that puzzle, they knew that there was a star that would show up. And that star meant something was changing in the earth. And these wise men saw this light that moved them to do what? To pursue the king. 
And what do they do? They come from the east. And so thinking about these wise men, again, I just want us to learn how is it that we keep hope alive? They were moved. Think about this for a moment. They were moved out of their comfort traveling a long distance. They came a long way. Now, I know when you walked up here, you might have noticed there was a nativity out there. And I just want you to know that that nativity is set up and it's, it's unbiblical. I just want to say that, okay? What do you mean, Bishop, it's unbiblical? What I mean is this, is that we need to take the wise men away. Because the baby in the manger was not seen by the wise men. See, when, when, when the wise men showed up, it was probably around two years later. And so Jesus was actually a toddler by the time the wise men got there. So that means that this star shows up in the sky one night, and these guys start making their track toward where they see this star out. So around two years later is when they arrive, and they say, hey, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? And then remember, they, uh, um, Herod, he's, you know, he's slick willy over there, right? And Herod's like, so um, where? He gets everybody, he gets all of his wise men, and he's like, hey, um, where, when, when, uh, where, where is this baby supposed to be born? Well, Bethlehem of Judea. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, hey, guys, come over here. I want you to go find him. And when you find him, let me know about him because I want to go worship him too. He found out when the, the child was born and then the, sends the wise men away. The wise men go away, and when they go away, they find this toddler. So not this baby in a manger. That was the shepherds, right? We need to get more shepherds, guys. Hallelujah. <laughs> And next year, we'll work on some shepherds, and we'll put the wise men, like, down by the front, right? And people will be like, why are these, what, what happened? Why is this nativity scene incomplete? And, you know, then we have something to talk about, right? Like, anyway. But, 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 the, but the thing is, these wise men made this track. They moved out of their comfort in order to pursue the king. And then what does the scripture say that we just read that they did? When they got there... Now, 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 again, it, we don't know much about these wise men. We only know where they came from for sure. We only know that they had some understanding of this star that would be in the sky. That we only know that they were coming to see the one that was born king of the Jews. We don't know that they were converted in any way, shape, or form. We don't know that they believed in everything that, 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 that the people that were Jewish believed. But when they saw this toddler, they fell in worship. They fell in worship. And not only did they fall in worship, but they, bought, but they brought and they, they didn't just like bow, but then they opened their treasures. They're like, hey, we, we brought some stuff for you. We brought some gold. We bought some frankincense. We brought some myrrh. We, bought the, we brought these things that you didn't even know you were going to need, but guess what? You need them, and God provided them. So while you're displaced, while you're, while, while, while you're, 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 you're going to be in hiding, while you're going to be moving around and not able to have the same support that you had, God provided all of that. So here's what I think, guys. This is when I'm looking at this. I feel like the light of the gospel shines brightly. Amen. We know the whole story, do we not? We have the finished book. We, we know exactly. We, we're, we're not in the middle of this. We're reading the whole story. We, we know that God is with us. We know that Emmanuel, he is our hope. He is our guiding light. Our lives should be marked. So here's what I think we take away, is that our lives should be marked by a constant pursuit of the king. Because we have the full light of the gospel, you know what should be happening to us? We should be moving closer to the Lord always. 
We should be pursuing him with greater passion always. We should be hungering to know him more always. That's what the light of the gospel should be doing within us. And and as we're moving closer toward him, we should be worshiping him in extravagant ways. With all of our lives, just like these wise men, our lives should be in alignment with the mission that God has for his church. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, the hope we have in Christ has an enemy we must guard against. So you remember Slick Willie? He said, hey, go ahead and tell him, you know, uh, let, go, go find him, go worship him, but come back. Tell me where he is because I want to go worship him too. But we know the rest of the story, don't we? Herod felt threatened because of this news of this king of the Jews. He had, he, I mean, Herod was extremely insecure leader. Uh, he, he had all kinds, even issues within his own children, from what I understand in reading history. I think he killed three of them. Hello. This guy was crazy. But nonetheless, he was, he was enraged because the wise men, they got wise, right? And they, they, they got a revelation from God, and instead of coming back to Herod, they went another way, and they went home. And when, it, when Herod found out, he was irate. And what did he do? He went from offering false worship, like, hey, I want to come worship him, to then a total massacre. All the kids below two years old in Bethlehem and all of their, re I mean, I'm, th that was a, a massacre took place. Again, what do we see? It is a horrendous, sad story to hear and imagine all of the, the children that were killed in that moment. But in the midst of that ugliness, can we just step back and say, but look at God preserving his promise. Warned him, warned Joseph in a dream. They left from there and they went to Egypt to the place where the children of Israel were at one time. Remember when it says here in the text, it says, out of Egypt I will call my son. The first application of that was the nation of Israel. It was called the son of God. And God called them out of Egypt. But then what does he do with the son of God? He brings him back to that place for a time to preserve him there. And then he calls his son out of Egypt at a particular moment to bring deliverance to the world so he could fulfill his purpose back in Israel where he was supposed to be. So Herod, Herod as I said, was threatened by the news of the king of the Jews. And much like our culture, view, much like our culture he viewed Christ as an enemy and sought to destroy him first by deceit and then by overt brutality. That's what he did. First of all, I want to worship. And then, no, 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 I don't want to worship. I really wanted to destroy that king of the Jews. But since you didn't give me the option, I'm going to just blow everything up. See, our culture doesn't realize that Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the hope that the world is looking for. The problem is we don't want hope the way that he offers it. See, that hope comes when we bow to him. That hope comes when we humble ourselves to him. That hope comes when we recognize him as the real source of hope, that there is no other hope in anyone else other than him. Herod could have, he could have, listen to this, think about this. He could have experienced the hope that the Christ offered. Instead, he chose to silence that hope. He could have experienced that hope. 
He could have experienced the same forgiveness, the same peace, the same joy, the same love that others experienced, but because of his insecurities and his fear, he didn't. What did the enemy? The enemy wants, listen to me now, church, the enemy wants our hope, our faith, our devotion to be in anything or anyone besides Jesus. Let me say it again. The enemy wants our hope, our faith, our devotion to be in anything or anyone besides Jesus. We must be wise to false worship that masquerades as true. We have to realize the intent of the enemy is always to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the purpose of God is to give us life and life abundantly. The enemy wants to give us false hope. He wants to give us false peace. He wants to offer us false love. He wants to offer us false joy. He wants to offer us all those things. And you can still be a Christian, but just don't be fully Christian, right? Depend on other things, right? But, but Jesus is like, hey, I am the only way. There's only one way. There's only one joy. There's only one peace. There's only one love. There's only one hope. It's God's way or it's our way. We make the choice. And we need to realize that the enemy wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. But God wants us to have life abundantly. He wants us to know real joy. He wants us to know real peace. The third thing, and I'm wrapping up here. The third thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. this say hope, hope. will always, always be kept alive in humility. Hope will always be kept alive in humility. The last part of the story is that after Herod dies, the Lord speaks to Joseph and Joseph is coming back. And then Joseph gets afraid because his son is alive. And he's like, man, his son is really no better. And so really should I go? And the Lord gives him a warning. And then he ends up in this place called Nazareth. Now, you remember, you'll probably remember in the Gospel of um, John where Philip is having a conversation, I believe it's Philip and Nathaniel, right? And, and, and he's, telling, he's telling him about this Jesus that came from Nazareth. And you, and you remember Nathan's response? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, that should give us a, a glimpse, right? It should give us a picture of the way that Nazareth was viewed. It wasn't viewed as, a, as, as an important place. It, it wasn't viewed as a, as a place where anything good came from. You know, some of you may have come from places where they're like, could anything good come out of there? Come on now. You know those places that, you know, you drive by them sometimes. Come on. Thinking, can anything good come out of that place? Nazareth was that kind of place. And, and, and I love the way that Matthew says it, because if you look at verse 23, last verse here, and he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, with an S, not prophet, the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There's no prophecy that speaks of Nazareth in the Old Testament. So you're like, what is he talking about? What Matthew's probably doing here is he's probably thinking about Isaiah 53 where it speaks of the suffering servant who will be despised and rejected. See, Nazareth was a place where based on Nathan's communication was a place that was despised and rejected. But you know what? It was a place of humility. You know what else that means? It's a place where Herod wouldn't go to look for him. See, God knew what he was doing, you think? 
He knew how to preserve hope. He knew how to keep hope alive in this place of humility. So not only was Nazareth a, a prophetic place of fulfillment, it was a humble place. And, and, and it was there that hope was preserved. I love the name Nazareth actually means the guarded one. God actually put him in a place where he was guarded. God the Son was protected there. And why do I say hope will always be kept alive in humility? Humility is most clearly evidenced in our reliance upon the Lord, not ourselves. See, when we are really humble people, we recognize it's not by might, it's not by power, it's not by money, it's not by bank accounts, it's not by zip code, it's not by what people say about me, but it's by the power of the Lord. My life is not reliant upon me. My life is reliant upon the one who gives me breath. My life is reliant upon the one who is Jehovah Jireh. I'm not the provider. He is the provider. My life is reliant not upon my own works of righteousness as we heard read in the book of, of Titus today. It is, it is not a, God didn't save us because of our own righteousness, but because of his goodness. My salvation, nothing that I have is dependent upon me. Listen, I know you woke up today and you felt like it was just you that did it all. <laughs> but you know, if it wasn't for the grace and the mercy of God, you wouldn't have got up out of that bed. If it, if it wasn't for his grace, you wouldn't have had the strength to do whatever it is you did today. And it may have hurt doing it. Hello. Had a conversation with someone on the way in. They're like, man, I'm tired today. Yeah. And praise the Lord, you have the strength to get through everything. And thank God he gave you a bed. You're going to go home and lay in tonight and rest. Amen. See, all of those things is because of who he is and humility. If, if our hope is going to be preserved, if our hope is going to be kept alive, it is going to be because we walk in humility, because we walk in dependence upon him. When we walk in humility, our hope will be kept alive because our trust is in God who is faithful. Closing question, are you living a life that displays the hope that Jesus is? Are you living a life that displays the hope that Jesus is? Or is your hope disturbed by other things that are going on in this world, other things that are going on in your life, or despite all of it? See, because here's the thing. It's easy to say we have hope. It's easy to say we have faith until things enter into our life that test that theory. It's easy to say I believe. Until you face something that makes your faith a proven faith or a disproven faith. And here's what I want to encourage you with tonight. God wants you and I to experience that hope. He wants us to experience that love. He wants us to experience that joy. He wants us to experience that peace that is only because of his great love toward us. And when we come together... As we, as we worship together, as we gather together tonight and we look at this, this story that is so familiar to all of us, we are reminded that God is faithful. And if he was able to bring his baby in a manger to fulfill his mission, God can do it again today. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for each person in this place. Lord, I thank you for the hope that we have in you. 
I thank you for the joy and the peace that we have in you. I thank you for your goodness, God, that you show us. Father, I pray for every person in this room, Lord. I don't know what they're facing in their life, but Lord, if there is a lack of hope, I pray that they would be able to look at this retelling of this true story, not this fable, but this true story, and that they would experience the hope that there is in you and in you alone. I pray, Lord God, if there's anyone in here who does not know you, that tonight, Lord God, that they would put their faith, that they would put their trust in you, that they would see that you are a faithful God. And if you could preserve the most vulnerable of babies in the midst of chaos, in the midst of, of an atrocity like that which Herod did, Lord God, if you could provide for that baby, Lord God, how much more can you do for us in our lives today? Because we know that that baby lived a perfect life. That baby died a sinner's death. And that baby rose again. No longer a baby in a manger, but a man who fully lived perfectly. Who was tested in every way and found without sin. And who rose victoriously for our justification. Lord, we thank you for the gospel of hope that we have been given. Lord, may we walk in hope today. We pray these things in Jesus' strong name and everyone said amen so the next portion of our